The Law Report with Karen Key. And a very good evening to you and compliments of the season and a happy 2014 from tonight's Law Report program. It's the first one for 2014. And if you've been listening over the holiday period, you've heard Michael Bagram. He's been on every Monday evening over the holidays. It was highlights from the Law Report from the previous year. But tonight, he's actually in the studio. So if you need to speak with him, he's right at the end of your telephone line. And as you know, Michael is the practicing managing partner at Bagram's Attorneys Labour Law Specialists here in Cape Town. Michael, good evening. Welcome actually back into the studio you've been with the listeners all through the holidays but now you're actually here hi thank you yes it's been a great holiday and i loved and i enjoyed listening to myself (laughs) but i wish everyone compliments of the season and we're all back at work so it's very exciting and i'm very happy to be here and hopefully i can answer some questions this evening i know we've had some interesting emails so that'll be exciting And we've got some new topics to discuss tonight, so it'll be an exciting program full of lots of Christmas goodies. Well, and and hopefully this year will be as good as it was last year, because I think the listeners got a lot out of the law report last year. The emails that I've received over the holidays especially, there have been some amazing emails from people telling me, what the law report has done for them, what it means to them to be able to listen to the advice from people like yourself. So hopefully we'll be able to continue that for 2014. Thank you, we will. I'm full of beans, so let's, <laughs> let's go for it. Right, well, if you have a question for Michael, you can call us on 0892-10-2010, 0892-10-2010. Just leave your name and contact number with my producer and we'll call you back. Well, we have two emails that came in. One actually came in this afternoon, Michael, and it's from Sylvester, and he says... He wants some help on pre-employment rights and or obligations. And he mentions things like the background checks, the language, knowledge. And in brackets, he says, recently most advertised posts speak about Afrikaans slash English bias. So I need to know how to go about knowing why I was not given a post that I felt I was justified for. I need the whole legal download, he says. Yeah. Okay, this is an interesting topic because... In fact, obviously, certain jobs need prerequisites, need requirements for the job. I mean, obviously, you're not going to advertise for a helicopter pilot if a person doesn't have a helicopter pilot's license. And we have spoken about that during 2013. Um, And I know that many employers do have a bias, and then they put in a prerequisite of, for instance, you must be German-speaking. But when you look at the actual job, it does. There's no requirement in terms of the actual requirements of that job to be able to be, speak German. So, although you have rights, employers' rights, you've also got employees' rights. And it's the interesting thing about our Labor Relations Act is that an applicant for a job can qualify under the Labor Relations Act as an employee for the purposes of discrimination. In other words, if you say, listen, I'm not going to take Michael because he's overweight um, and so therefore he's not going to get the job and I get to hear about that reason and it's got nothing to do with the job. Um, As a lawyer, I can be a little bit overweight. I'm very much overweight, but as a lawyer, I can be. And if someone then says I'm not taking you because of that, that could be discriminatory. I think it is. And so therefore I can then go to the Commission for Conciliation, Mediation and Arbitration Or I can go to a bargaining council and I can claim that the reason for them not taking me in is an unfair reason and I can challenge and claim damages for it or even try and get the job. So there are very good 
examples of court cases that we've had over the last many years showing that people are entitled to get a job if they've been discriminated against. Obviously, in this particular case, this is an English or an Afrikaans bias. If they can show that their customer base, for instance, or the people that phone in and what he's going to be doing are English and Afrikaans speaking, well, then obviously then there's a good reason as to why you would want that. Now, there was an interesting case a few years back where a lady here in Seapoint, and we once discussed this, applied for a job in a video store. And they said that they were looking for a young lady. That was the, the advert. And she applied. She was of the ripe old age, I think, of 29. So she was pretty old at the time. And she applied for this job in the customer base was 15, 16, 17. That was their customer base. And they their big market was the those music videos. That was mm. what they were marketing. And they decided, no, they're not going to give her the job because she's too old. And they actually said to her, you're too old, so we're not giving you the job. I'm feeling like I've got one foot in the grave if you yeah. said she was older <laughs> well, than 29. <laughs> she actually won her case. She did win her case on the basis of discrimination. And she could show that she understood the market and she understood the the marketing that they needed to do and she was very much with it in terms of the music video industry and that was the real reason why they didn't want to take her uh, but she said that even at the ripe old age of 29 or whatever it was um, she still had her finger on the pulse and she knew what was going on. Um, I also once spoke about a story where a group of us went to a labor law conference in Durban um, this was about six or seven years ago um, and at the labor law conference, we were sitting one evening afterwards chatting about what the conference was. And what had happened was I was reading the newspaper and the others were having a drink and chatting. I was reading the newspaper and there was an advert for Go Go Girls um, in one of the um, uh, nightclubs, whatever, in Durban. And I then phoned um, on a loudspeaker on someone else's phone. I phoned and applied for the job. <laughs> and when, when they said, look, what, what is it you want to do? And I said, well, I'd like to apply for this job. I said, there are a couple of little problems, but we can overcome them. One, I'm not a girl. Two, I can't dance. And three, I'm not good looking. Um, and then the phone went down. We phoned her back. And it got worse and worse. And eventually we said, listen, uh, we're lawyers and we're phoning and we think this is discriminatory. And then she said, no, you better speak to my boss. But the point is we had a good laugh that they were having a discriminatory type of conversation with, I think there must have been about 25 labor lawyers all listening in um, to a discussion of that nature. So you can actually discriminate. There could be fair discrimination against people. There was an interesting case as well where a fellow applied for a job in a lingerie store. And they said, no, we want a female. And the customers are not happy with a male for braziers and whatever. And that case also went to... Uh, an arbitration and was found that it was fair discrimination that you wouldn't want a man because the customers don't want a man mm. uh, to be despite the fact that he'd worked in a lingerie store before uh, they said they don't want that and they wanted a woman so the, and, and he wanted the whole legal download that's it you need to test that particular case as to why he didn't get a job he he also in part of his discussion had also said what's this um story about FACE, F-A-I-S, which is uh, legislation that we have in this country, which uh, is if someone is in an industry in finance or in insurance, 
uh, we have legislation to see if the person's trustworthy. And it's for the employer then to write to the regulatory authority to say we don't believe we've had to dismiss this person because they are um, not trustworthy. And that and that has to be challenged in a courtroom afterwards. So that that's regulation and they can work out if someone is a credit risk or if someone's untrustworthy. So that's what it is. And the Financial Services Board is our regulatory authority in South Africa um, who then can um, unfortunately say to an individual we don't trust you and then you won't get a job in that particular industry. So I think that's all best. I think if, um, yeah, that is pretty much as you asked for the whole legal download, as Michael said, I think that's pretty much it. I think he's answered every part of your question. I hope that's everything. If there's anything that he's missed, please drop me a mail and uh, we can pick up on that again at another time. We do have another email, Michael. We'll get to that shortly. But somebody who wrote in and who's actually on the phone now is Leo. And um, he'll be with us shortly. But he also has a, a story. It's all about injury on duty. And that's one of the topics we covered over the holidays was workman's compensation and Correct. injuries on duty. And it can get a little bit complicated, as in Leo's story. It's all to do about, with his wife, who was involved in an incident at work, not specifically herself. But um, I don't know whether Leo is actually on the line yet. Okay. Leo, Leo, are you with us? Good evening. Good evening. Yes, I'm with you. Hello, Leo. Do you want to just explain your story to Michael? Yes, um, uh, a week and a half ago, um, my wife was at work and one of the colleagues actually collapsed because he's diabetic. And uh, as a result of him collapsing, they called in a, the local pharmacist to just come and check his blood sugar levels. And um, with my wife assisting him and trying to discard of the needle that was used to prick his finger, she actually pricked her finger as well. And as a result, there could have been some blood transfer. With regards to that, the question that was asked is, is, is whether this, is, this falls under workman's compensation, was she injured on duty? Because the message that we're getting from the, the, the company is that she wasn't, is actually not regarded as, as injured on duty. So and they're, what? Saying bec they're saying because she offered her services voluntarily, it's, it's, it's not covered. And what happens with all the payments for them? I mean, I assume she was taken to the doctor and tests were done and now she's on treatment and all that. Well, who's paying for all of that in the meantime, Leo? Well, that, that's the question that was put to them initially because we've we, we now been told that uh, workman's compensation doesn't actually pay for, for, for needle pricks. And we put that through to the company and initially they said to us that uh, the company will not pay. But because I had requested in writing because I was going to seek legal opinion, they've, they've now sent a letter stating that they will pay for two blood tests, one doctor consult, and they'll pay for antiretroviral treatment for one month. Okay. Now, now my, wife, my wife was meant to go back to the doctor for a second consult, but um, the lady representing the company, was, who I believe is a nursing sister, she says there's no need for her to see a doctor again. And they're also stating that the, the two days that she's booked off because there, there is side effects to the medication. And they're saying that the two days that she's off, they must either come off a sick leave or come off an uh, annual leave. And they're also stating that the injury is, 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 is caused due to her negligence, not negligence of the company. Well, Leo, the next time somebody unfortunately collapses at her office, I doubt if anybody's going to want to help them. Exactly. That's what I've been saying to my wife. So, she have to basically step over the person and call well, the I mean, that, that is the right. terrible thing. Michael, what is the yeah. situation here? Yeah, this is certainly, and I think what, they, what they've done to your wife is wrong. Uh, simple answer, it's wrong. It is an injury on duty. She is. She was on duty. 
even though got, she volunteered to she help. She volunteered to help, but anyone would be expected <clears throat> to help. You wouldn't see a colleague lying on the floor and not wanting to help. For instance, if an attorney in my office wanted to get a, a book off a shelf and got onto a ladder and said, I'll get it for you and for someone else, and you're volunteering to help them get the book out and it's got nothing to do with their job, they're litigation attorneys, and getting a book off a shelf is not part of the litigation and they fall off the ladder and break a leg, that's an injury on duty. And especially if you're at work, during yes, working yes. hours, and one would expect, I mean, you, you can't, no one's got a job description that covers everything that could happen in the normal day. It doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. uh, there are various things that people would do to help others. Um, yeah. I mean, it's the same as if she volunteered to go and get her a cup of coffee and drop the, um, mm -hmm. the urn on her foot. Uh, she's not the tea lady, and they would say that's exactly. not an injury on duty. So that's, that's sheer nonsense. So what she well, needs I, to I do, she, sorry, yes. Uh, yes, I actually, I actually have it in writing for me. It says that it is not regarded as IOD, and IOD covered, covers hazards which causes which which cause an injury. Uh, this was her own voluntary assistance. Now, hang on, Leo. Can I just ask you something? In your original email that you sent to me, you said that the store manager asked her to leave the store in order to bring back the pharmacist from the local pharmacy. Was that is that correct? That's correct. Yes. Mm. So they asked her to go and get the pharmacist to come correct. along to to do the, to do the, the blood sugar test. That's correct. Okay, and who then asked her to discard the needle? Well, with, with the pharmacist being there, with him checking the needle, with the, checking the guy's blood, he passed the needle over to a lady that was assisting, and my wife took a, a, a bunch of tissues, or serviettes, the paper towels, and the needle was put in there, but as she closed the, the paper towel, it actually pricked the needle, mm. pricked her finger, sorry. It is an IOD, there's no two ways about it, and it must be reported, you must insist that they report it, um as an injury on duty under WCA, and if they don't do it, then your wife should report it through to them, saying they've refused to apply for an injury on duty, and they say they're trying to discuss it and saying it isn't. Well, it is. It's quite clear it is. It was done at work. It was done in the course and scope of her duty and the fact that she was asked to help this woman. Mm -hmm. And I mean, unfortunately, things happen. There's a myriad of things that could happen at work, and give you hundreds of examples of how she could hurt herself in doing something that's not actually part of a job description. Yes, exactly, that's what I've been saying. So she's entitled to it. She should be given the two days that she's been off, and they must claim from Workman's Compensation Commissioner uh, for the medical costs, um, and she's entitled to the payment. Now, Leo, you said that they are telling you that it's not a, a, an injury on duty. Have they actually even submitted the forms to Workman's Compensation? Do you know? I'm sure not. Well, well according, according to, the, to the sister that's handling the case, she said they're not submitting it because it's not regarded as, as injured on duty. No, we see but that. The other thing, if I'm, not, if I'm not incorrect, Michael, correct me, please. I'm more than likely I'm wrong here. But am I correct in thinking that the company has to fork up initially the the cost correct you see that's possibly yeah, what it is because they they, they, they have they to then to. they don't want to do that leo that's what it is they have to initially pay at the yeah. beginning when it's a workman's comp and claim. Leo, let me explain to you another thing it's not for the company to make a decision as to whether this is an injury on duty or not yeah. they they are in, they are entitled to have their own opinion which is good they should keep it to themselves they must fill in the form that's their obligation in terms of the legislation there was an injury she yeah. was on duty at the time she wasn't doing it when she was on leave and popped in just for a bit of fun. Yes. Um, and so therefore, it's, the definition is an injury on duty. She was injured. 
she was on duty, so that's in the IOD. Yes. Um, the English language is quite simple when it comes to this. And it's for the commissioner to come back and say, actually, we've decided that, you know, this is absolutely gross negligence. Um, you know, you weren't yeah. supposed to uh, do this and you were specifically told not to do it. And therefore, we're going to deny any payment. Um, it's like, for instance, there's many of those cases where there's arguments as to whether people come on duty and they're drunk and they have done it to themselves. But yes. this is not that case. And I'm sure in my mind that the commission is going to approve it. The real problem is, and Corin is correct, they don't want to pay the money up front because it takes many months for the commissioner to come forward and pay it back. Yes. And this is what the and this is what the story is over there. But it's not for them to they're not lawyers and they're not the commissioner. And they can't make that decision that this is not an injury on duty. They must fill in the form, that's their obligation. Now if they don't want to do that, can then Leo can go actually go directly? Them. Yeah, go and report them and they will then insist on the form that's done. There are fines in terms of legislation if they refuse to do it. But there's also then the problem of if you're causing all this drama, things could become uncomfortable for Leo's wife at work. Well, then she's got all sorts of other claims against them as mm. well. So, I mean, it's just that she's done something to help out a colleague at work and she's getting paid back in real horrible terms. So that's not acceptable. She should be doing it for everyone else. Yeah. And you also don't want to send a message out to South Africa saying, like they have in, in, in America, if you see someone on the street that's just fainted, for goodness sake, step over step them. Step over them because you're going to get a claim against you for something. I know many, many doctors in, in the States are too scared to help someone who's been injured just in case there's a claim. No, we don't want to go that way. We don't want to be a nanny state. Mm -hmm. the, the bottom line is we do want to help our colleagues. She's done that. She's done what is absolutely correct, and she's been punished um, in this way. There's an old saying that no good deed goes unpunished, and yeah, this is what's happened to her in, in this particular case. And I, my strong belief is that she must stand up for every other employee in the country. That's true, yeah. Leo, if you are to decide to take this up and you'd like a copy of this uh, program, drop me an email and um, I'll gladly send you a copy of the program. So you've, and you, I mean, because Michael is a labor attorney, a labor lawyer. So he's, what he says is what goes, basically. And if you'd like a copy of this, you're very welcome to it. No problem. I will do that. Thank you very much, Colin. Thank you. And good, good luck night. to you and your wife. Thanks for getting through. Thanks, Leo. Thank you. Good bye -bye. night to you. Bye bye. Right, let's just touch briefly on that next email that we've got. Um, it was from Jonathan, and it was a very long email, and it's all to do with the fact that he was in another injury on duty. But this seemed, he, this Jonathan had did not have an easy time. I mean, he's had loads of different things. He was working on a uranium mine in 1979, was exposed to dust and fumes and chemicals, and then he worked at another mine, and then he had a problem he'd hurt his back and he had a slip and a fall injury and his back was very badly injured the back pain has sort of got worse and worse then he had a heart stoppage it's just i mean the man has not had an easy time and now he's been medically boarded for his back problems in december 2009 and his question is all about the pension is about the fact that he's not receiving his 75 percent of his total salary at the time he was declared medically unfit and also he's battling to receive the one-third as a lump sum from the pension contributions. So it's more to do with the pension and that than anything else. Yes, it is. Obviously, in cases of this nature, one has to carefully understand the pension fund and its rules and the regulations that go with it. And many of these funds differ from each other. 
Um, many of them don't say 75%, but maybe 79% or 60%. Some have a third, some don't have a third. One needs to go back and have a look at the rules and regulations of this fund and to see if it was followed properly. There are two pieces of advice I can give on this one. Obviously, the first piece of advice is to maybe look at a pension lawyer. Well, funny enough, in two weeks' time, because next week we've got uh, Nicolene Skuman on our show doing our monthly law clinic, and the week after that I've actually got a pension attorney. There actually is an association of pension lawyers, and they'll be on the show in two weeks' time. So maybe Jonathan can call us that day. That would be great mm. if he did that, because, of course, a pension lawyer specialises in this particular mm. area. And there's another piece of advice, and I'm sure the pension lawyers will give it, that we've got a pension funds ombudsman in South Africa who is very effective. It's an incredibly effective office where they go into detail in particular cases where you supply the ombudsman with all the paperwork and you say, listen, I think I've been cheated or I think I've not been treated fairly. And the ombudsman then has a look at it. But I think the first port of call would be great if you could phone into your program in two weeks' time, speak to a pension fund lawyer. Um, they are very knowledgeable in this area. They're superb um, practitioners they know exactly what they're doing and they understand pension funds in a case of this nature would give you an answer and if it needs be they will then tell him to go to the ombudsman mm. and say listen it sounds like you haven't been treated properly and you've been messed around from pillar to post yeah we've actually had a number of calls over the last few months about problems people are having with their pension funds so i thought it might be opportune time to get a pension fund attorney in so two weeks time if you have any problems bear that in mind right back to the phone line sipo in mpumalanga good evening good evening how are you i'm very well how are you i'm fine thanks for the show pleasure can you yes can can i am i allowed to call out a government department the yeah. one that I'm, i want to ask about yes it's not a problem Okay. In fact, here in January 2011, I was hired by a correctional service uh, in the one year in, in ten. Then after after completion of the of that one year, you you get hired permanently. Right. But in in February 2008, I mean I mean in, in February last year, I mean 2012, the last day of the month. Uh, the head of correctional center called me and said, uh, I'm not qualifying for permanent employment, reason being I have a criminal record. He just showed me an email on screen. He never gave me something black and white. So he said he will investigate the matter and come back to me. I've made some numerous calls trying to prove my case that I don't have a, a criminal record. Now I have finally I got a, a proof from the SAPS, the National Criminal Record Center that in the Republic of South Africa, I don't have a case. Right. I've wrote, I've wrote letters to the area commissioner. I've wrote letters to the uh, director HRM for, uh, for, for you know, director human resource, but nothing comes up. It's been 22 months already, still no response. I just want to find out who should I talk to now because I can't afford lawyers. Yeah. I've tried unions. My union, they said they are, in, they are un, using, they are investigating the matter. That's that's a uh, sapo. But apparently, sapo they say it doesn't. The Department of Correctional Service doesn't recognize sapo as a union representing employees. So I went to PSA. The problem with PSA, I wasn't paying monthly dues to them, so they they are unable to help me. 
So I'm asking now, which office should I direct? Because I've called the area office, I've called everybody, I think, can I can understand my case. Okay, look, obviously it's now light, it's very light, and it's, and it's a problem because you're supposed to refer a case of this nature within 30 days to the bargaining council concerned. Um, okay. and, and you need to now apply for a condemnation for late filing of a dispute. You certainly have a dispute, and it sounds like you are in your rights um, to declare that dispute, um, and you might need to go and get in condemnation. There's a, there is a very active union at the Department of Correctional Services, Nahawu. I don't know if you know Nahawu. Um, and they might be worth contacting them. You can join Nahawu afterwards, after losing your job. Okay. That shouldn't be a problem. They are a Kasato affiliate, but I know they're very, very active within the department. Yeah. And it might be worthwhile getting hold of them to see if they would possibly help you. Uh, I know I've done some work for Nahawu, and they've been very active in helping people after having lost their jobs, and okay. to try and, and try and get their condemnation. Because to go alone now and try and get a condemnation after so many months, you say it's almost 22 months mm. uh, from when you left them. Um, you've got to have a full explanation to the bargaining council as to why you've waited so long. And they might want from you the proof of all the things that you've tried to do over these past 22 months, including the fact that you went to the union and you went to another union and you've written to them. And you'll have to get all that together in a yes, proper yes. argument as to why you're oh. late before you can even go and argue the case itself. You have to, oh, over, you yeah. have to overcome the lateness. And I think an, a union like Nahawu might be the best for you in, in the circumstances of this nature. Um, and if you explain to them that you've had advice to go to them, they might then feel flattered enough to take you in as a member. But I think it, it's something that they should do um, just to help out the public. And, and as a member, um, you can join there after, after having lost the job. There's nothing stopping you in law. All right. Okay. Yes, yes. I, I mean, one more thing. Mm. It's maybe, I mean, do you know any any labor lawyers in Bomalanga province? Because I've tried to search them, I can't find any. I don't know, but what I will do is that if you um, look at the website, I'll give some names of lawyers and maybe even in Bomalanga, and maybe then we can you can try and get them via the website from SAFM. If you can oh. get onto my fact, can you access Facebook, Sipo? Yes, yes. Okay, yes. well, you go onto the law on SAFM. Law on SAFM. That's on, on um, the Facebook page. Okay. And you'll find, I'll put that information, it will be up by first thing tomorrow morning. No, well, maybe not tomorrow morning. Oh, wait, wait, Michael says maybe not tomorrow. By the end of the day tomorrow, that information will be on the, Michael will get it to me during the course of tomorrow. Yeah. Okay, okay. All right. All right. Good evening. Thank Good you, Sipo. Thanks yeah. for getting through. Good night to you. You tuned to SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. I'm Karen Key, and this is The Law Report. My guest tonight is Michael Bagram, an attorney in Cape Town practicing as Bagram's attorneys, labor law specialists. And, of course, we're talking about labor law. If you have a question, you can call us on 0892-10-2010, 0892-10-2010. Simon in Limpopo, good evening. Good evening, Karen. Hello, how are you? Fine, and you compliments to the new season to Michael. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you, Simon. How can we help you this evening? 
Yeah, I had a problem here with my wife. She served as a domestic worker from August 2011 to November 2013. The problem was that she fell pregnancy, and then by the end of November, uh, she was told to go home. And uh, on the mid of December, uh, her employer sent a message that she must look for another job just because she hired another domestic worker. So she haven't ever told her about those maternity leave benefits whatsoever. So I just want to ask Michael, what must she do from now? Okay, what she must do now, and, and she must do it tomorrow, she must go into the CCMA um, yeah. and claim it's a commission for conciliation, mediation, arbitration. She must claim unfair dismissal. Um, yeah. And at at the CCMA, they will sort out the maternity benefits and that sort of thing for her. But she must go in, they will help her fill in the form. What's, what it sounds like is that she's been treated very badly, unfairly, and it sounds like an automatically unfair dismissal. Can I just ask you something, though? When it comes to maternity benefits, though, the employer generally is not our law does not have to pay while the person is on maternity leave. They are supposed to claim that from unemployment insurance. Am I correct? Correct. But then at the UIF, but she has to be registered. And I'm sure yes. this employer hasn't registered her. But the or sounds paid, of things. Or paid UIF. Yeah. So it's by the sounds of things, there's been unfairness all around. But you. when did she start you working? You can't dismiss. When did she start working there, Simon? She started on August 2011, meaning she had two years, three months. Oh, she was working for two years and three months? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so so she should have been registered. How often was she working? Uh, she, she, was, uh, she was staying at her workplace for Oh, so she was full-time. Full -time. No, she okay. should have been registered. No, I was thinking it was just a few dismissed. hours a week. It might have fallen outside of the 24 no. hours, but it's more than that. So she should have been registered for unemployment insurance from which she could have claimed her maternity benefits. But that's not the real issue here. No, the real issue is worse is mm. she's been dismissed. And that can't happen. And she can claim up to two years' salary for a dismissal of this nature. Um, yes. But she must, she must go to the CCMA. Um, I don't know if you know where their offices are, where you are. Um, but you must find out. It's called in the Limpopo. Commission. There is a Commission for Conciliation, Mediation and Arbitration in Limpopo. And we can also put that on the Facebook page. It's only, it's only that I, I, I don't have access to the Facebook or what, what we can do in... Do you have access to email, Simon? No, no, ma'am. Okay, Simon, we've got your phone number. I will look up an address and I will phone you. Yes, ma'am. Thanks a lot. Okay, well, I'll, ha I'll call you tomorrow and with the um, address and the contact number for the CCMA yes, in Limpopo. Thanks a lot, ma'am. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Okay, and good luck to you and your wife, Simon. Okay. Thanks a lot. Thank Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I, I think people don't quite realize what they, well, you said it's up to two years salary that, that this lady can actually claim for. And, or or um, a reinstatement. Well, yes, but I mean, yeah. pe I think people think, oh, well, you know, I'll just say bye-bye. It's and not get that easy any, anymore. Yeah. It's not easy like yeah, that anymore. It you disgusting. need to. It is disgusting. And you need to be aware that you can't just, first of all, do that to somebody. And secondly, as you said, no good deed goes unpunished. This is no bad deed will go yeah, unpunished yeah. either because you will get, if they go to the CCMA, I mean, this person could, as you say, be looking at reinstatement or two years' salary as Correct. compensation. 
So, yes, there is a document, actually, just by the way, there are some documents on the Facebook page, Law on SAFM. If you'd like any of those documents, just drop me a mail or post something on Facebook and I'll send you whatever you'd like. But there is a document there on what you should know about employing a domestic worker or as a domestic worker, maybe it would be a good thing to see what your employer should be knowing before they employ you. So there's all that is on the website, uh, sorry, on the Facebook page. So if you want that document, just drop me a line. I'll let you have that as well. George in KwaZulu-Natal, good evening. Good evening, Happy New Year to you. And to you too, thank you. How can we help? A couple of, couple of quick questions. Um, I work for a tree felling company. Um, now, he's only paying his employees 70 rand a day. Now, I don't know if that's legal or not. I, I thought it was 105 rand a day. But nevertheless, I've been working for him for a year now. About four months ago, I, I, I lift a lot of heavy logs, Okay. Um, I slipped a disc while throwing a log out of a trailer. Now, he paid for my hospital fees, which was it's only 20 rand a file retrieval at the local municipal hospital. Uh, I've had quite a lot of physiotherapy, um, but the disc is permanently slipped. Now, I am partially sighted, which he knew when he took me on. I don't have to use any heavy machinery or anything. It's basically lifting and chucking logs and branches. It's not a very difficult job. Now... I had an accident with a taxi not so long ago. Um, well, I've damaged my head quite badly. Now, he said due to the accident with the taxi, he can't trust me uh, around the tree felling and the chainsaws. Um, so he's given me notice of six weeks' notice, which I've got a mo- another month to leave. I've got to leave at the end of January. Now, he's taking on a young chap to train him as a cutter. As a, as a cutter, obviously under the new scheme for youth employment, which is fine by me. Um, I just want to know where I stand on, on those three items. And the other thing that complicates the matters is I'm an illegal immigrant. I've been illegally in the country for 22 years. Gosh, George, you really do have a whole list. Can I get workers' compensation, even though I'm illegal? Yeah, let me let me start off by saying that I think a tree felling company, and I'm not don't know I'm no expert in this. Uh, I'm no I'm no lumberjack by any stretch of the imagination, but I think it falls under agriculture. Uh, that's so, right. so if if that's the case, then there is a minimum wage. Um, in fact, we had lots of disputes, and especially here in Cape Town, about that. So you're being underpaid. So that's the first yeah. the first answer. It is 105 rand. And it's yeah. not the 70 rand, so there, there's a claim. The second thing is, in terms of your injury on duty, um, he has to register everyone. The full workforce have to be registered. They, they take a percentage of the payroll, um, which goes to workman's compensation, so you have access to that. In terms of the illegal immigrant, um, the bottom line is, obviously, you could get yourself some trouble, but he could also get trouble. Um, but that's not your issue. Your issue is you're an employee and you have rights as any other employee. Um, So the the Labor Relations Act makes no differentiation between a South African and an immigrant, and whether you're legal or not is not the issue in these particular set of circumstances. You have access to rights as a person, as a person, as as an employee, and you are an employee. So you have rights. In fact, he can't dismiss you. That goes to the final problem where he's now given you six, mu- six weeks' notice. That's an unfair dismissal. 
and yeah. just and he can't dismiss you in those circumstances. So yes, you would then go to the Commission for Conciliation, Mediation, and Arbitration. They will help you fill in the forms and claim it. If he doesn't yeah. want to get himself into trouble, well, he must sort you out. He he must yeah. sort you out by crossing your palm with silver. Yeah. That's the bottom line, but it sounds like you've been unfairly treated in all, all three of those circumstances. It almost sounds like the employer sort of is using the taxi accident as, a, as an excuse yeah. to get rid of George so that he can employ a younger person well, who can actually work machinery yeah. that George possibly wasn't able to do. I think, I think George, you've been exploited. I'm back on tax. Yeah, yeah you exploited. Yeah. That's the bottom line. You've been exploited. Okay, cool. Thanks, Okay, Michael. thank you. Thanks. Okay, bye. Thanks, George. Yeah. Good luck to you. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Just a reminder, you tuned to SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. I'm Karen Key, and this is The Law Report. My guest tonight is Michael Bagram, an attorney in Cape Town, practicing as Bagram's attorneys, labor law specialists, and we're talking about labor law. If you have any questions, you can call us on 0892 10 2010. 0892 10 2010. Pandila in Soweto, good evening. Hi, how are you, Kevin? Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm okay. I uh, just need to ask Michael. No? Last year I went to an interview. I work at the uh, Department of Rural Development in Houghton, in Jobek. Last year, September, there was an interview. Then we went to an interview for level A position. It was five posts, and they took time to appoint because there was dispute among the panel members. Then after two months, they appoint only four people, not five anymore. Then my union rep, Amanda Nehau, called right. me and told me that I was a five, I was a fifth person. So they said not to appoint me anymore. So they decided to make it for now. There was no transparency about it and nothing. I lost a grievance and they haven't answered me even now. I just need to know where to go and what to do. I would suggest, and Nahal was good at this, and you must go straight back to them, ask yeah. Nahal's legal officer to refer it to um, the bargaining council. There is a bargaining council. And the bargaining okay. council will give you rights as to why you've not been added to the list, what the problem is. It sounds yeah. like there's something a bit fishy and strange. Um, if yeah, you if you were the fifth person now, all of a sudden only one four, they must explain, and they, and they and they've got to explain this at a commission inquiry. So I wouldn't drop this. It sounds very unfair what's happened to you. Yeah. Because now they're talking about criteria, and on the post there was no criteria. Well, and even the, the fourth person, they actually they appointed three. The fourth person, it was me and this other guy. So the union fought, they took this fourth guy, and the, the fifth person they didn't took. So there was no criteria, there was nothing. Well, you must so tell, tell me how would you push that, because it's not fair. What's it is really not fair. Okay, thank you. Is there a council Yeah, there is a bargaining council for the department. Oh, okay. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks, Good Thank luck you. to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, okay, right. Bye-bye. Off, off to Coffee Bay in the Eastern Cape. Shadiso, good evening. Good evening, Karen. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. And Happy New Year. Thank you. And to you too. I hope it's a really great one for you. Yes, it was. Yeah, I'm only driving back to work now. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay. laughs> Drive carefully, please. Thank you very much. Actually, I'm looking for a safe place to park so that I can ask Michael a question. Yes, please do that. Yes. yes um, uh, hello, Michael, how are you? Ah, good, thank you. Are you parked? I'm fine, thank you. Yeah, yes, yeah. no, I'm just fine. Ah, good, okay. <laughs> you make us nervous, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Michael, the question I have to you is related to uh, injury on duty. Uh-huh. 
I'm working on a construction site as an occupational health um, um, occupational health and safety practitioner. Well, then you know more about it than I know. No. <laughs> you know what we're doing is that we are implementing the law. Okay. But when it comes to interpretation, it's different depending on the understanding of an individual. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so what is what, what is happening on our company is that there's a gentleman which we employed. Right. Uh, he was employed by the company. So what happened is before they start working, we subject them to pre-employment medical surveillance. Right. Which is repeated after every 12 months. Okay. And then before they leave the employment, they are also subjected to post-employment medical surveillance called exit medical. Okay, it's a very really, really complicated process, but you've got a good company there. Yes, yes, I must say that. Right. <laughs> uh, so what happened is one gentleman came to our employment having suffered a certain percentage of hearing. Okay. And then the occupational health practitioner recommended that he submit the forms to the commissioner. Okay. In her, in her recommendation, he, she clearly specified that the hearing loss did not take place in our employment. It's something that happened over time. Okay, so it's not, it's, that wasn't an injury on duty. You know, the way it's presented is like an injury on duty because she says the hearing loss was suffered due to the exposure to noise on construction site. But the practitioner says no, it wasn't. No, 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 no. The practitioner says it was. Oh, okay. But, but, okay. but then... Because we did the pre-employment medicals, the hearing loss was there before he was employed. Well, that's your answer, isn't it? Yes, but then the, my, my question is, she requested me to submit the forms to the, to the commissioner for, for the employer, employee in question to claim. Okay. So what is happening is that the, the employee cannot locate any of the previous employers. So we have to submit the it in the in our company the name of our company. Right. I submitted it last year before the closure, but I intentionally left out the compensation number. Okay. But then it is expected I have to tomorrow as I'm going back to the office I have to email the letter. So what I wanna understand is what is the implication of submitting such forms with our company name, whereas we know that the employee was not injured or did not incur the condition while in our employment. Well, you employment. just you just add a covering letter telling what you believe is the truth. That's what you'll do. Oh, oh, you oh, you oh, must fill in the form because yes. there's no one else to fill it in. And we've had a question earlier on this evening where a company said it wasn't an injury on duty, so we're not filling in the form. That's not right. You have to fill in a form. But you can be truthful by adding a, com a covering letter on your company's letterhead saying we're filling in this form because the law expects us to fill it in, but we believe that the injury happened prior to coming onto into our employer. Okay, no, thank you very much, Michael. I think my and then at least you answer. cover, then you cover your, your, your employer and you cover the employee. Okay, no, thank you very much. Because the form I've already filled, I've submitted it. I'll, I'm only submitting the letter. Then you submit the letter. Do that later I, then. That's it. Okay. 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 Thank you very much. Mike. Good luck. Dr careful with your driving. Thanks, Shadisa. Yeah, drive safely. Thank <laughs> Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye now. Off to the Northern Cape. Robert, good evening. Good evening. Hello. How can we help you, Robert? Okay. 
Thank you uh, for accepting my call. I just want to ask the lawyer. Uh, I'm a long-distance driver. Uh, I'm working for a Namibian company, but we've got a, a branch in, in South Africa. Right. So each evening when we are not at home, uh, they give us an FNT of 100 rands. Right. And they double it on Sunday. But if uh, you are at your place before 8 o'clock, they don't give you. Then we accept it. As we are traveling across border, I just want to find out or to know, is there any reimbursement? Because I, I've heard most of the drivers say that uh, we are obliged to get uh, cross-border permission, cross-border allowance. I don't know. I, I was, that's why I'm phoning. I just no. want to ask, is this a reality or is it just a rumor among the drivers? Now, some companies do give it. I don't think there's a law that you get a cross-border allowance. I don't think there's any law on that at all. But many companies offer it uh, as a benefit. And one needs to go and have a look at the terms and conditions of employment and get all the paperwork from the company and have a look to see if they do offer a cross-border allowance. You're right. If you work after 8 o'clock and you're not at your home base, then you're entitled to get uh, a sleeping-out allowance. Um, that, that, but that they're paying you, and they're paying you double on Sunday, so they're doing the right thing there. I don't think there's any laws saying you must get a cross-border allowance, but have a look at what the conditions of the company are. There might be something in it. If they're talking like that, then maybe someone's read it within the company's terms and conditions. Um, do you, have you got access to the human resource documents? To, to, the, to the union? Yeah, to the union resource. Maybe the union. Are you a member of a union? Yes, I'm a member of a union. Yeah, and then let the union find out. Let the union get all the terms and conditions from the company. They have yeah. human resource. There's a, probably a human resource booklet um, as to how the company is run. And the union can have a look at this. That's, that's a perfect answer so that you don't have to identify it yourself. And then no, they'll, yeah, and they will give okay. you that answer. Uh, but I don't think there's any law. Uh, there's no overall law saying because you're living in South Africa and you're now working in Namibia this week uh, that you must get an allowance for working in Namibia. It's just the sleeping out allowance. Okay. No, okay. I'll, I'll do that. Okay, Robert. Okay. Thank you. Okay, thank, thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks for getting Bye. through. Good night. Right, off to Paul. Chamu, good evening. Good evening, ma'am. Hello. How are you? Compliments of the season. Fine, thank you. Thanks, and to you too. I hope it's a good year for you. Yes, it is. Good. How can we help you? I've uh, got uh, just one question to ask you. Uh, I'm a foreigner, and I was employed on a farm. And I just want to know how it happens if I resign from my job because I saw the conditions were not conducive for me to work anymore. So I resigned from my job. Okay. And yeah. so what, what do you, do you want to get some compensation for that or, or do you think it's, why, why did you resign? Uh, because my health is not, uh, it's not that good anymore. I had a problem with my back. So I saw that it's better for me to resign so that I can do something which is better for okay. me. Mm. Okay. There's no, there's no compensation for you in those circumstances. Um, it doesn't sound like it was an actual injury on duty. It sounds like it was a degenerative situation where you you find you've got problems with your back. And because you've resigned, doesn't mean that you're entitled to compensation. And this has got nothing to do with the fact whether you are a foreigner or no, a local. No, no, nothing, it's nothing, nothing at, at all. all. No, nothing at all. It's no. Any employee that resigns, 
It's a unilateral action, and it's an action taken by the employee himself or herself. And if it's not forced upon you, like a constructive dismissal, then you wouldn't be entitled to any compensation. Oh. Okay, I'm sorry. Sorry, Chamu. All right, thank you very Thanks much. Thanks a lot. Good night to you. Bye-bye. Right. right, Henry in Cape Town, good evening. Henry, you with us? Michael, how are you? I'm oh, fine, how are you? Greatest. Look, I have a situation here with uh, an employer that has not paid me my uh, salary for almost a year. Oh, my goodness. Uh, for working for them. Now, question is, well, I'm a, um, a metallurgist primarily, work for a, a different company, but uh, I work um, also as a dance teacher um, on the side. Now, the employee in question is the one that uh, employed me for my dance teaching services. Okay. Um, beginning of February, to cut a long story short, um, I got called upon by the institution in question to come and coach their dance team. I worked for about three hours um, a week um, teaching the, the team. And um, I got called upon the office to come and, uh, and then um, uh, start training the team. Now, the sports officer... Um, at that time, whom I recognized as my employer, um, got suspended. He went under HR processes. Uh, the stand-in um, then uh, signed contracts with us, um, and then the, she came back. We started in February. She came back and told us that the, the, the dean of students has decided to start paying all the coaches in March, which we accepted because at that time we did not have any contractual uh, papers in front of us. Now, since March, uh, my contract was running from March uh, 2013 till 15th of December 2013. It's an annual renewable contract. Since then, I have not received my salary. Now, every month, um, I have uh, asked the employer where my salary is, and uh, each month they have told me that they have to take the contract through to um, some sort of the council that decides or that approves the appointment, they call it the NANCOM. Um, when the sports person in question came back in office um, um, about two months later, I then escalated the matter to him, of which he was aware, and then he told me that he's escalating the matter to his HOD. Now, three, four months later, nothing happened. I started escalating the matter to his HOD, who also um, concerned that he was um, aware of the matter and is trying to solve it. Three months later, I escalated to the dean of students, who is the head of, of, of students now. Now, since then, I've I kept on being uh, sent from pillar to post. HR says I am the only uh, uh, dance, um, the only coach that has not been paid um, because uh, the contract does not have a signature from that non-com executive that needs to sign. Now, nobody seems to be getting anywhere with this matter. And I've had uh, um, conversations. I've tried sourcing out a lawyer, a contract lawyer, who advised me that um, going to the small claims court um, however, that limits me to 12,000 rand, and my money that is owed by the institution is over 12,000 rand. Now, what I need to know is what are the next steps for me to take in order to solve this matter? We have about a minute and a half, Michael. Sorry, <clears throat> if oh. you can get to Okay, I'll get straight that. to it. I, I don't think the small claims court is the best route. I wouldn't go that way. It is one route, but it's not the best way. I, w I think you are an employee. You're not an independent contractor. So even if your contract says you're independent, 
don't worry about that. I would suggest that you go straight to the CCMA, the Commission of Conciliation, Mediation and Arbitration, CCMA, um, and lodge a form there for unfair labour practice. And I suggest that you get hold of the Department of Labour and you get an inspector and you tell the inspector you have not paid, not been paid your salary for over a year or whatever it is and you are entitled to your salary and the inspector must pursue them. And okay. the, the whole thing rights. about the signature story, I mean... doesn't make any difference. You're working there, you're entitled to your salary. Yeah, I've, we've been, I've been to the Department of Labor. We've tried to get hold of these guys over the telephone uh, for the um, consultants to verify. Nobody seems to be answering their phones. Even I, myself, every month, um, I have to battle to get any one of them on the, on the telephone line to even answer me in terms of where my salary is. Um, well, I'm telling department. you the department must get off their backsides. The yep. inspector must go there. He must send a yeah. compliance order. You can't wait for telephones. You must do it. You can't work for nothing. That's, yeah. that's absolutely iniquitous what's happening to you. And it happens to many people in this country, unfortunately. It's not fair. It's not right. And you need to stand up for your rights. Or, as so, Michael says, Henry, take them to the CCMA. As when well. I go to the CCMA, am I lodging a... Um, a, Un a unfair labour practice. Unfair. Un yeah. All right. All right. That's perfect. Oh, Henry, um, good luck. Well, we'll do so. Thank, Thank you. you. Good luck. Thanks for getting through. Good night to you. Thank you. you. Bye-bye. Well, to Becky and Welcome and to Freddie, who've been holding on, I'm so sorry, but as usual, when Michael is here, we run out of time very quickly. So I'm so sorry we didn't get round to your calls, but Michael will be back again soon. Soon, yes, soon. thank you. Well, my thanks once again to Michael Bagram. He's the practicing managing partner at Bagram's Attorneys, Labor Law Specialist here in Cape Town. And he's been my guest on tonight's edition of the Law Report program. Michael, once again, thank you very much indeed for being here. Thank you. It's, thank you to our listeners who have given us unbelievably good questions, very interesting and taxing. So keep up the good listening, guys, and let's, let's have fun next month. And Michael will be back with us again on Monday, the 3rd of February. And remember, there's a list of available documents on the Facebook page, Law on SAFM. And as I mentioned earlier, there's a whole booklet there, if you'd like, on domestic workers, if you need any information on that. But if you need any of those listed on that in that list of available documents, post a message on Facebook. But please remember to include your email address so I can send it to you. Or you could email me directly on law at safm.co.za. The Law Report, as you know, is on the air on Monday, every Monday. Monday evening between 9 and 10 on SAFM and if you'd like to contact me you can email me law at SAFM and a reminder Facebook is law on SAFM. Next week Nicolene Schumann being the second Monday of the month it's our general law clinic. That's the law report next Monday the 13th of January and I'll be back with you again tomorrow evening just after 9 with health matters so join me then. Stephen Kirk is up next with some nighttime music. Hello Stephen compliments of the season to you. Likewise thank you very much. Uh, hope you had a good uh, time and uh, yes I just kind of disappeared. I seem to remember feeling a little bit guilty earlier today because I don't think I'd uh, dropped Karen an email. Anyway, yes, the first one of 2014. I'm not even sure if I can still remember how to do all this. Uh, nighttime music through until midnight. Before we get into the beat, uh, time for the news.